I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources, Inside Sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. If you're just tuning in, about 30 minutes ago, President Joe Biden addressed the nation, was back at the White House, uh, had returned earlier than planned from Camp David to address what was taking place and what we were watching unfold on uh, screens around the country and around the world uh, as Afghanistan uh, really has collapsed into Taliban control, including the capital city of Kabul and the government. And as we listened to the president, uh, very interesting. Uh, It was a strong speech early. Uh, I think he laid out the idea that if the Afghanistan if the Afghanistan people are not willing to fight for themselves, surely we cannot ask the women and men of our armed forces to do it for them uh, in a internal civil war. Uh, the president did acknowledge that it was swifter than he thought it would be, that uh, his team thought it would be. Uh, he, he pointed a lot to the uh, Afghan leaders of their military, that they weren't willing to fight, that they uh, walked away in many instances. And he was also very adamant about uh, the fact that we needed to end this, that he was not willing to pass uh, the Afghanistan problem and conflict on to a fifth U.S. president, and that was part of his decision. Now, really interesting, we want to get some reaction uh, to this as we see how this is unfolding and how the president's remarks are playing across the country and around the world. Again, this is not just for a U.S. audience. This is for our allies uh, and key partners both in the region and around the world. Uh, one of our texters chimed in and uh, said that they were inside the Pentagon on 9-11. They deployed to Afghanistan in 2009 and says, so I am scratching my head, not about the decision to cut the cord, but the clumsy manner in which we did it. And it seems to me that that is a common thread with Many people, again, inside the military and out, those who have been into that region and not, uh, is that you can agree that it was time to end operations in Afghanistan, and you can be critical of how it was done. Uh, to me, that those are compatible. That's not a problem. Uh, but the more important thing is not who's pointing fingers or placing blame. Uh, it's about where are we and what comes next. And what lessons do we learn from this? Because if we continue to just keep having uh, things like this play out, uh, that is to our detriment, that it undermines our national security. It also undermines 
our influence in the world as a force for good. Uh, I'm also just watching on our screen right now, the State Department is having their own briefing uh, following President Biden's remarks. Uh, We'll uh, keep our eyes and ears on that to see if there's anything uh, additional that is uh, important to report today. And so, again, the State Department is briefing reporters, uh, again, following President Biden's remarks and his address to the nation. And it'll be interesting to see how the Pentagon uh, and the state, or excuse me, that the State Department is going to be uh, positioning things uh, in terms of their role in all of this, uh, what worked, what didn't, and uh, what needs to change in terms of uh, how we handle these kinds of situations. Uh, I want to go back to something we were discussing earlier in the program because I, I think this is such a crucial conversation in terms of how we interact with the world. And it goes back to a conversation I had on this program and on my podcast with former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster and how we, one of our problems, one of our flaws uh, in uh, all of our national security efforts is what he terms as strategic narcissism, this idea of everything is going to react based on how we think it will react, based on who we are as a country and what action we take. This is a really important principle for us to wrap our head around. Here's H.R. McMaster from earlier this year. The concept of strategic narcissism that I introduce in Battlegrounds is meant to communicate our tendency to view the world only in relation to us and then to assume that what the United States does is decisive to achieving a favorable outcome. And this is a problem. It's a problem not only because it's self-referential, but also because it doesn't consider the agency the influence, the authorship over the future that the other has. So it's that agency, that authorship over the future of the other side that we really have to factor in. If it's all self-referential, if it's only based on what we're going to do and what we think people will, how people will respond to what we do always gets us into trouble. And so what H.R. McMaster proposes And what I feel like we have to start understanding in these conversations is how do we function with strategic empathy, understanding where people are coming from and how they are likely to act, again, with their own agency, with their own self-determination. Take a listen to what H.R. McMaster told me earlier this year. And, And when we don't consider the agency of the other, we tend to allow implicit assumptions to underpin what we're doing. Mm. And those implicit assumptions, because they're implicit, they go unchallenged. So, for example, with China, for far, far too long, we assumed that China, having been welcomed into the international order, would play by the rules. And as China prospered, it would liberalize its economy and liberalize its form of governance. But we weren't empathetic enough. We didn't view China's actions and strategies from their own perspective, and especially the emotions, the aspirations, and the ideology that drives the Chinese Communist Party. All right, so that's, again, an interesting interesting analysis there from former National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster, comparing a lot of what we've seen play out with China as we narcissistically project what we think they will do in a situation as opposed to what they have historically done uh, or what their agency or self-interest uh, are likely to produce. 
And so we have to learn to step back on that and look with empathy and look at it just a little bit different. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.